Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Roger Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Roger. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. You know, when you can run the ball like they ran in the second half, it's very hard to rush the passer. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to golf enough, and we didn't get to girly enough. And... Um, We'll take a good look at, at the reasons why we didn't. All right, there's my man, John Gruden. Now, he, John Gruden, rough opener for him with the Raiders playing at home, Raider Nation. He was out there fired up before the game. Talking about, hey, we got to figure out a way to get pressure against the opposing team. How do we oh. let Jared Goff? Do you have any idea how they can get pressure? I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe not let the best pass rusher in the NFL right. walk. Right? Like, maybe could, it could have been a priority coming into the season to make sure you kept him in, in, in Oakland. Yeah, that would have been one way to start to do it. Uh, John Gruden did try to get out in front of it before the game by reminding everybody, hey, Khalil Mack didn't want to be here. I don't think that's where you go with that narrative. Nope. You just say, look, we couldn't work things out. We moved on. And then you, for sure, you don't remind everybody after the game, oh, well, we got to figure out ways to get pressure on the passer because you gave away one of the best ways to do it. Generally speaking, as a quarterback, how long are you in the pocket? Or better yet, how many pats on a ball do you get <laughs> before you start to say to yourself, damn, I'm back here for a long time? No, because I, I, I have no idea. No, there's like, that internal clock. You hear everybody talk about it. Right. And a lot of times it's not the pats on the football. It's the hitches that you take. Okay. Because you'll go, you'll t- let's say it's a five-step drop. Right. Take like a five-step drop. And according to your read, sometimes you'll take a five-step drop and you cut it loose right away. Mm-hmm. Then you That's your first option. Then you take your five-step drop. First one's not there. Then you hitch and you kind of collect your weight okay. underneath you. Yep. Then you, that's when you're, when you take your first hitch, that's when you're getting to your second target. After that, there's one more hitch, and that's your third option usually. If you're there, you got to get rid of it, or you got to run the football. And with the thing about it, when you face a guy like a Khalil Mack or some type of defense that's bringing it, like Matthew Stafford was getting crushed last night in his game, right? you just have to sense you speed up those hitches. So it's like, all right, one, two, three, four, and then bam, I either get rid of it or hitch, hitch, and it's gone. You have to have that sense in your mind when so, to get rid of it. So Ryan Goff was taking like nine hitches last night. And My he man was Jared like, Goff. I mean, Jared Goff, right. Yeah, yeah. He was completely He was hitching his butt off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was, he was hitching. hitching his butt off, no doubt about it. Todd Gurley was getting off too. He had 108 yards rushing. Uh Derek Carr was not. Pretty uh, atrocious start for him. In the John Gruden era as well. He had three picks. A lot of interceptions throughout the NFL this uh, first opening weekend. I believe it was a record that we saw set uh, from interceptions thrown by quarterbacks. Teams are going with the pass-heavy approach. I think that's what's going to happen. You're just going to see those types of games unfold where it's a pass-happy league. Sometimes you're going to take those risks, and it's going to happen. Did you did you make it through the second half of the game? The late, oh, the late game? game? Yeah. No. Okay. Um, because it was pretty competitive. It was 13-13. I tried to hang on. You did? I, no, I did, but I did not. make. <laughs> so I'm, I was just going to curious. My question was going to be, um, like, John Gruden, everybody wanted to know, like, had he, had he caught up or could he – Oh he yeah, back in the game and offensively. Yeah, he no, looked he good fine. early, right? Yeah, like, no, and even later in the game, it wasn't as much the scheme as it was the Rams' defense is pretty dang good. Like that's what it started to light to be up, with. right? And Derek Carr had a couple uh interceptions, one late where he was really getting after his receiver, and he was kind of yelling at some guys. Where I think there was a miscommunication because it looked like where where on earth is Derek Carr throwing that? And that can happen sometimes too. That's sort of a week one. 
hey, I've got some receivers out there. Maybe you're just – it's just one of those week one hiccups. Like right. Kind of, but it was a really costly one. Then you had to pick six to Marcus Peters when he did the uh, the Marshawn Lynch celebration. <laughs> you have some fun, which we can't air, I don't think, on CBS Sports <laughs> HQ because we don't want to get in trouble. Uh, although they did air it on some other networks. I don't know. I guess you can do that now. Right. It's one of those ones you want to keep away from your kids. Uh, but the Rams, for me, they didn't play at all this preseason. And I think they looked completely fine. So the preseason – it, it kind of reflects back on, from my pers- my personal belief, is that who cares about the preseason? Protect your guys. Gurley was out there uh, totally healthy. Right. Had a great game. Jared Goff looked clean, crisp, didn't have any effect on him. And I think they're going to be better off. The thing for this Rams team, which is a darling pick of a lot of people, currently they are 10-1 to 1 for a Super Bowl favorites, Super Bowl champion uh, favorites by Vegas. I don't. They looked great in this game. I'm not concerned about that team when they're winning. It's what do they do when they get beat? And maybe it's back-to-back losses because they got some really big personalities in that locker room. Right. How do they respond to adversity? That's my curiosity with this team. I would say, um, yeah, that's a question about a lot of teams, though. Absolutely. Because everything's always – Because some teams are young. You don't know how they're going to respond. But this team, new, got a lot of guys just got new contracts. Right. A lot of them have big egos. A lot of them have shown before a propensity to get a little bit – uh, upset with the media if they are criticized, how do they respond? I mean, who knows? Maybe they're that good where they don't have to deal with it. I would make the argument though that their defense showed a lot of rust in the first half of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would attribute that to missing your, your preseason. Now, sure. um, McGarren Donald wasn't even in camp. Yeah. And this speaks to like, again, like you're saying younger teams versus older teams. A veteran laden team can sometimes kick it into gear, you know, give you a half a football. And then, and in fairness to them, they didn't really know what John Gruden was going to be running scheme wise. I mean, they, the Raiders hadn't showed a whole lot in the preseason, but point being, an older team could kick it into gear without those preseason games. They know what it takes to kind of get up to speed. It's just going to take them set amount of time to acclimate, uh, and be ready to go. But a younger team, like you're really rolling the dice on not being able to prepare guys and hoping that once you put them out there for the regular season, that they're just going to be able to kind of, you know, get their sea legs under them in, 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 in real game time and that's not always the case all right so the rams got the best of the raiders john gruden we'll see if he bounces back he handled the press conference pretty well other than that where he kind of put his foot in his mouth uh so it'll be interesting to see if the the raiders can bounce back they had 10 penalties for 145 yards in the first half they looked rusty uh as could be the the night the one for me that i was excited to watch was the jets against the lions yeah sam darnold 21 years old getting his first start one of the youngest quarterbacks we've ever seen Started off out of the bat. Started off really bad. Right off the bat. Comes out. I actually like the play call. Mm -hmm. They're trying to take a shot, right? They're saying, all right, let's go for the home run. We're on the road. Let's go out there and sling it. Goes as bad as you can go for Sam Darnold. Throws an interception. And I was like, all right, this is great. Let's see how the young buck goes out there. Let's see how he responds. He was not phased one bit. I was tentative on Sam Darnold. Worried about him being on this team because it's a bad team. I'm trying to temper my expectations, but all I kept thinking was, wow. He has the wow factor from a poise, composure, being cool, making throws. I could not have been more impressed. He, uh, I'm going to need you to temper your expectations. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I am. But I feel, I, I, I feel what you're saying because watching him, although I can't do like a quarterback breakdown, like I can't really grade you, he looked different. He did. He looked and you mean in a good way. In a good way. Yes. He he kind of jumped off the screen at you as a guy who was in total control. He wasn't overwhelmed by the moment. 
Um, that one, that's a really bad decision, like the first one, when you're rolling all the way out to your right and you're trying to come back across. But see, I think that was the, the design of the play was this throwback. They're trying to sneak a back out of the backfield. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, we're either going to hit it. The, the thing he probably could have done is throw it away, but I don't, I clearly don't I'll, think he saw quite But I'll, I'll forgive you that even, yeah. even if it's not a play call because you're a young guy and yep. we're going to expect you to come out there and make some decisions under pressure that probably aren't the best decisions in your first year. I, I want to see, A, like whether you bounce back from that and you're able – but but B, whether you have a command of the guys on the field and whether they, they get down with you. And it was clear that his teammates uh, had confidence in his ability. And, um, yeah, I think tempered expectations – for everyone in New York because he's a baby, he's a yeah. pup, you know, but yep. it's, a, it's still a learning process for him. But I think they might have them something in, in New York that they have not had in a while uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Jets franchise at least. My hope for the Jets franchise is they figure out, is Sam Donald the quarterback of the future? It's only one game, but it sure looks that way. You talked about the composure in the pocket. The way to truly, in my opinion, evaluate quarterbacks is on the red, in the red zone and on third down. Mm-hmm. The first half, he was four for four. For 72 yards and a touchdown on third downs. Like that's when defenses have specifically, you know, packages to try to confuse you. Yeah. His first touchdown throw down the left sideline, like it wasn't even a design play. It was kind of his vision. Usually, uh, young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks get locked in on a receiver and they can't get off of them. So they're, they're, they're almost seeing through this lens where it's just so myopic. They see this one piece. He saw the whole picture. Yep. And you don't see that for quarterbacks until their year three and four. And not only that, once he saw the picture, he delivered the perfectly thrown ball, which was like 47 yards in the air on a dime. Like you, there was some special things. I'm trying to calm down. Yeah, I don't want to no, get too I, excited no, about you, Darnold. You. you know what else helps though? When you're playing with that defense, which was pretty nasty, absolutely crushing Matthew Stafford, you know, forcing him into four interceptions. You had Isaiah Crowell had 100 yards rushing. Like all these things are reasons why Sam Darnold was able to uh, succeed. But to me, it wasn't even about the stat line. It's what you're talking about. Complete poise. Looks like he commanded the offense and his teammates in the huddle coming in and out. Couldn't have been more impressed. Are you at all worried about, um, Matthew Stafford, or is there enough of a sample size where that's not an issue? I mean, Matt Patricia's first game. Yeah, that was that was a little bit ugly. Home game against a team like the Jets, your heavy favorites, you know, six point favorites in that game. For Stafford, uh, it's it's such a rough game for him. I'll tell you this: you got to protect him better. I thought they would have done a better job, and they talked all offseason. The Lions did about balancing out the offense. They drafted on Johnson, tried to get him more support. You can't throw it 46 times and get killed the way that he did and expect to succeed. Right. I think Matt Stafford is an underrated quarterback. People crush him because of the playoff record, hasn't had much success. He delivers for you. Go back and watch Brady anytime. And I go back to the, you know, we were talking about before the show, the AFC championship game when he had to go into Denver mm-hmm. and the Broncos actually ended up winning the Super Bowl. He got crushed that game. He looked average. A quarterback like Stafford, a pocket passer like Tom Brady, if you get that much pressure on them, they're going to look average. So I would say the most important thing for the Lions is they've got to shore up that offensive line and protect him better. Yeah. You can't put him back there and have him knocked around the way he did. Uh The Vegas coming in, I, I actually thought the Lions were going to be better than people thought this year. And I'm, I'm dialing that expectation back. I'm like, uh-oh, this could be one of those learning curve years for Matt Patricia reworking that defense. Uh-huh. And Matthew Stafford, they got to do uh, to get more help uh, on him. So some pretty good games uh, last night that unfolded. Great storylines from those. But there was some other stories that were coming out in because of Monday. You get a lot of reaction. You get some news uh, from the NFL. Most important, people were watching 
Aaron Rodgers, the Aaron Rodgers watch. I think most NFL fans assumed, hey, he went back in the game. He must be fine. I was worried about him saying, well, well hold on a second. You never know adrenaline. Yeah. Maybe some pills that he could have popped at yeah. halftime helped him play through that second half. And Mike McCarthy said they have to do more information, more testing, see how he is. He's questionable against the Vikings. See, I am one of the guys that if you – I have to imagine that there's nothing structurally wrong with his knee. Otherwise, you would be on the hook as a training staff, as an organization for, in my mind, making one of the dumbest mistakes like I've ever seen in sports. He is your whole world. Like Aaron Rodgers is a GOAT. Um, you can't put him back out there if you think there's any structural damage um, in that knee in the first game of the regular season. Do you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. for that reason, I cannot believe uh, that they thought there was any real structural damage there. Now, he may have a bad like MCL sprain right. or something like that, which that will sideline you in and of itself. But if there's a silver lining for Green Bay fans, I would imagine, and this is just me reading tea leaves, that if there was any kind of concern for structural damage with Aaron Rodgers, they were not stupid enough to bring right. him back in the game. So Aaron Rodgers actually said he spoke with the team physician, Pat McKenzie, and assured him that he could not do any more damage to his knee by coming back into the game. The quarterback acknowledged stiffness and tightness increased as the game went on, which uh, would happen. The more times you're coming over the sideline, sure. you're getting cooled off. My question always, and I'm sure it was yours too, to doctors when I, cause I had a couple like shoulder separate, I get, get down and get like partially separated yeah. or like a little AC sprain. My question was always your question, ankle sprain. Can I do more damage to this? If, and if it's just a pain issue, That's I'll right. go back and play. But if it's putting my, the future of the season at risk, then shut me down. You know, I always felt like that was a real divider of locker room sometimes because yeah. I was in your camp. Uh, if it's just pain tolerance, then, you know, put the shot in it or do whatever we have to do. I'm rolling. And I always expected everybody else on my team to act accordingly, right? Like yeah. I just thought that we were all in it together, but everybody's not wired like that. Now I 100%, um, would not advocate for anybody going out there with a partial tear or something like that. Although I, I like partially torn calf, I'll play if it means enough, like in a playoff series. Um, but I always felt like that could cause a real rift in your locker room because certain guys would not right. pain or, or injury. They don't want any part of anything. No, right. they shut it down. They're not hundred percent. They're like, I'm out. Right. And Correct. I can't, I couldn't stand playing with dudes like that. Uh, always in the cold tub, yeah, <laughs> like every single time. Um, I think my, my hunch watching is that he has like an MCL sprain. Yeah. But here's the thing I think the Packers have to do. If you have an MCL sprain, the only way to get it better is to rest it and rehab. Do they sit him out? Because if you don't, it could be an issue that plagues you all sure. so long. Do they maybe sit him out a week, maybe two weeks, and try to see if they can get him back to 100%? But with their backup, Deshaun Kaiser, newly on that team, doesn't look uncomfortable. Is there anybody team. out there that you could go get at this point? I mean, there's some veterans out there, but ask them to come back in and yeah. learn that offense. They just traded away Brett Hundley to Seattle, who would have been at least a, a temporary option. Right. He would have felt better. So well, hopefully they're not making their decision based on the lack of a backup, because that's what, you don't want to do that. Either. I don't know what their schedule looks like or what kind of hole they would put themselves in, but when you have an MCL or any kind of injury like that, that maybe that injury is not going to get worse. Right. But it's going to put Vikings you in. they have this week. Yeah. So, and the Bills. So if you can, maybe like you, you just sacrifice the, the Vikings games. You play the Bills. You should be able to, like you or I could go out there and play quarterback. <laughs> Back against the Bills and win. I would, but the Vikings game could be one where you have to take a lot of hits. I sit him though because I just think that even if the MCL can't get worse, if he can't move and do what he's accustomed to doing, you set him up for maybe a potential another injury, maybe one of those clavicles right. again or something like that because he can't you get awkward. You're yeah. not playing. You start you know changing the way that you have to play. So that'll be interesting to watch as uh, the Packers have to make a decision on Aaron Rodgers. Um, 
One of the things I hated about opening week wasn't as much the helmet-to-helmet rule. I don't think that was as big a deal as we thought it could have been. It was the rule, we talked about it yesterday, when you fall on the quarterback, right? How are you expecting 300-pound defensive linemen to change their body weight? Well, there was one of those calls on Miles Garrett. I think that was the one I was watching that I actually called about. Oh, a huge huge call. call. Absolutely. So Miles Garrett goes, uh, you know, falls on, sacks Brent Wathersberger, falls on him, gets a penalty. The NFL actually reviewed this. Their VP of officiating, Al Riveron, told NFL Network that Garrett did not land with most of his body weight on Roethlisberger and shouldn't have been flagged. Here's the thing I think is so dumb about this rule. Listen to what he says right here. The rule specifically says most, if not all, your body weight. So we want to make the the player to make an effort. In the last three or four weeks, we have pulled extensive video to show the clubs exactly what we're talking about. And we probably last week showed five to one or six to one of legal hits or legal contact as opposed to illegal contact. Just admit this is a stupid rule. So stupid. And stop calling it. The rule should be called if you drive a player to the ground forcefully. And you can tell because defensive players, they don't – and I I think we're in an era now – where guys realize the value of franchise quarterbacks, they're not going to try to intentionally harm them, but it's impossible to ask them to change the way. It's, it's physics. You can't change when your body is moving full speed and say, oh, okay, I'm not going to land on them. Yeah, I th- first, the rule is stupid. It's just <laughs> stupid. So for me to pretend to try to like, I, I don't even know what to say. How's a referee? I mean, every referee is different, right? Like you, you, there are thousand referees. They all have got a different interpretation of what's taking place. Like how is it fair for one of them versus the other one to be able to make the judgment call on whether or not you had 70% of your weight That's versus 61% of your weight fall? It's stupid all the way around. But all right, look, I get that NFL quarterbacks are valuable, mm-hmm. like very valuable. Yeah, that's right. Value. <laughs> not yeah, you're this valuable. One, but. Um, but like, so are like D tackles and edge rushers and stuff like that. And so everyone's trying to make their living. Absolutely. Uh, you are fundamentally changing and don't give me that BS about like, Oh no, dude, you got a 290 pound guy like bearing his soul to try to get to the quarterback. Just one job, pin your ear back, get to him. Like you can't ask him in a fraction of a second to pull up when the guy has just released the ball and not go right through his abdomen, right? You've already said you can't hit him high. You can't hit him low. Like, if you're aiming at someone's center mass and you're driving that, you're probably going to land on him. Right. It's it's a dumb rule. Quarterbacks are invaluable, but you can't protect them like they're porcelain glass. And because at then some you're, point, you've got to say it's football and they could get hurt and it's okay. Like, at what point is there some resentment? Like from other players. Oh, like, I mean, there already is. There'll be. I mean, some like some some resentment <laughs> to the degree of like, okay, you want to see what I could do if I really put my body weight on somebody? Yeah. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen, <laughs> but it probably is out there. It probably does exist, but they don't want to have to deal with the fine they would have to mm. uh, uh, uh deal with if they had that. All right, we got to take a break. Let's get back. We're gonna do my top eight of college football. And I hope it's better than last week. No, it's it's way better this week because I took some heat for last week. I actually changed my philosophy, and uh, Hannah's gonna get us caught up in the news in ninety. That's coming up next on <laughs> Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. Uh, Hurricane Florence is having this impact where you're seeing a lot of um, games rescheduled, yep. moved. The games aren't till Saturday. It's only Tuesday. Growing up in South Florida, what is your attitude towards hurricane? Like hurricane prep. Nah. I kind of am too. Yeah. I know you're not supposed to be like that. Yeah. Like if there is because the TV, like if you see local television stations and even national television stations. It's panic. I, well, that's what I feel like they do it for ratings. That yeah. drives me nuts. And they'll get mad at you because like, oh, don't. That's the well, one that you get is the big one if you don't take them seriously. You obviously should take them seriously. But I think 
I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I look at them like, just breathe. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I. But now I will go out. I, yeah, I will go out and get like you know your your non perishables, and I get my water and yeah. my batteries and stuff. But, but I'm you not, don't evacuate and like get out of dodge. Last, last year minute. I did. You did like the last minute though. Right. Like I caught the but last that was flight the out. Example. They, right. That was like the end of the all storms. Yeah. Let's come wipe Florida. And we lost off. power for an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, do your prep for hurricanes. <laughs> uh, you know what I can't stand in college football. The AP Top 25. It's the worst thing out there. You know what's the best thing out there? Yeah, my top me, eight. Right. <laughs> my top eight that's out there because I do more research than those clowns. The coaches actually had in the coaches poll. Yeah. They actually had Michigan State ranked ahead of Arizona State. They just played and Arizona State beat them and they had Michigan ranked. Yeah, that's I like I, I can't help you on those. All right, so let's take a look at my top eight. I don't think there's anything too controversial on here. Alabama one, Clemson two, Ohio State and Oklahoma ahead of Georgia. That's the most backlash I had. Yep. Auburn at six, Penn State at seven, Stanford coming in at eight. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't mind your rankings at all. The only thing I had, I got it penciled in here would be, you know, the Georgia situation just because, I mean, I, I feel like they made, like South Carolina game maybe holds a little bit more weight for me than what Ohio State or, or Oklahoma has seen so, so far. That's, so here's where I got in trouble. The first week I did this, I had Maryland in my top eight because they beat Texas, and I was going strictly off of resumes, like who have you beaten. Right. If you went off that, you wouldn't have Ohio State or Oklahoma in the top four because they played a couple cupcakes, and that will obviously change as their schedule gets tougher. Right. I think Ohio State and Oklahoma are better than Georgia Okay, at so this, this is point. The, you the, know, like the criteria for this has changed a little bit. The formula has oh, changed. Yeah, because people can't comprehend what is a resume and what should actually happen on the field if you haven't played anybody yet. Like, right. I didn't have Georgia in the top eight the first week and people lost their minds. Why is Penn State in here? Uh, cause I think they're better than we, than everybody else thinks they are. Okay. The Appalachian State game, which was overtime, I think Appalachian State is a pretty good football team. They're not the FCS program that they were 11 years ago. They've come a, a long way. They won that game. Penn State completely demolished Pitt. I think they're still a really good football team. I think they could still be, especially with the drop off of Michigan State. Right. I, and the Michigan falling apart a little bit. Yeah. I, I still think Penn State is the second best team in that Big Ten East. Gotcha. You know, and I, I really like Ohio State, who's playing TCU this weekend. We'll find more out about them. Um, when you look at their offense, their offense has been insane of how good they've been on fire. I always looked at this team and it was kind of like how you looked at Alabama when I'm talking about Ohio State. When you look at Alabama with Jalen Hurts, you're like, man, it just looks like they could have another gear. Yeah. I looked that way at Ohio State with JT Barrett the last few years. Now they have Dwayne Haskins in there, and I'm like, oh, here's the next gear you're going to see with this Ohio State offense. Right. I, you, 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 uh, it was JT Barrett, and before that, what was the guy? He plays wide receiver now, or he was playing wide Braxton receiver. Braxton Miller. It was kind of the same thing, right? Like electrifying yep. like, legs, but you have all these weapons out there and a lot of electrifying players like him that you can't really get the ball to in the, in the, Right. The spots that they need to get the ball. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I thought it was interesting. Um, or not interesting. I just didn't know Dwayne Haskins. Like I, I wasn't dialed into like the recruiting process and right. what, who he was. And so everyone was saying, you know, how much better of a quarterback and what this offense was going to look like with him to see it come to fruition, albeit not against like the greatest competition yet. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. But see, I, I get it too. And you should be putting up pretty good numbers. These numbers are insane. Like they're close to perfection, almost eighty percent completion percentage. Yeah, nine touchdown, one interceptions. These are stat padding games. When you drop seventy-seven against Oregon State, fifty-two against Rutgers, they're still Power Five schools. And, they're bad programs, but you're handling your business. But see, that's what I say. Like this is handling your business, and I say it all the time. Like they're like, oh, you played. Look, all I can do is play against the people that they put in front of me. 
right? And so the question is whether I do what I'm supposed to do against the people that they put in front of me, right. or I throw four picks in games like that. If I crush them, like I've just done what I'm supposed to do, then uh, you know that. That's all that I can do. You've seen zero impact from Urban Meyer not being on the sidelines. Still able to help them in prep. He wasn't able to do that against Oregon State. Now he's back helping the coaching staff prep. Won't be there. This will be his last game against TCU, which is a top 25 opponent. I still think be fine. it's going to be in Arlington, so it's closer to TCU. I'm with you. I think it's going to, I think they're going to be fine. He's got Ryan Day is the interim head coach calling the offensive plays. Mm-hmm. He's got a long tradition of having good offenses that he's running. You have Greg Schiano on the defensive side of the ball as a defense coordinator holding the four down defensively. I still picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten because I didn't think it would be an issue. Yeah, he's a great leader. Urban Meyer is. He can, you know, he can go out there and he can coach his guys up and motivate them, but they have a ton of, of coaches on the staff who are more than capable of holding the four down. So I think they're going to be fine. This will be a pretty good test for them without Urban. And I'll be, I swear, I wish we could do. I wish there was a hidden camera or something where you could see is Urban going to try to communicate? I don't, he's not allowed to. Right. But man, you got to tell me. Like we talk to David Sampson all the time. He's like, hey, when a manager gets tossed, he's in the dugout texting guys. Yeah. You obviously can't have your phone out there texting him. But like, is there some other like GA that's down on the bench and he's texting? I'd be him fascinated. To run up I'd be and fascinated. Give him information. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to, but I would be shocked if he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um. Jalen Hurts got to play week two. He's played in the first two weeks. There was a report out Saturday morning that said Jalen Hurts was going to redshirt. I was like, hey, this is a win-win for everybody. Jalen Hurts can play in four games. Right. He can, if something happens, he can be the emergency backup. If Tua got hurt, he can burn his redshirt, come back and play. But then when I saw him playing against Arkansas State, I was like, well, hold on a second. Does that make sense for him to play in a game they're blowing the team out? And I'm looking at it now, and I, I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea what they're thinking, what the plan is. Because in my mind, you would have saved those three games just for a game against Ole Miss, potentially. I don't think they care. You don't think they care? I don't think Alabama cares. Alabama is in. Knows it's Tua. Alabama knows it's Tua. We're trying to get Jalen Hurts out of the way as quick as possible so we don't have the distraction of potentially having to answer to why Jalen didn't play against Auburn in the Auburn game. It's a not, it, it's, a non-existent issue at that point because he's already, you know, played his four games and we're redshirting. Two is their dude. Um, I don't think Nick is very interested in playing Jalen Hurts, honestly. I think he realizes he kind of has to do it to save face. He kind of has to do it to protect his ability to go out and recruit and not look like, you know, you could be the next Jalen Hurts who comes in and we go over the top of you, even though you've only lost, what, two games in your career? I don't know. Um, so I think he's kind of obligated to do this for Jalen, but the quicker it can get over the better for Nick Hurts and Alabama, in my opinion. Yeah, so with, with Hurts. Nick Saban, did I say? Hey, you I say said Nick, Nick Hurts. Hurts. Tearing some names up <laughs> right. today, bro. Hey, it's early. The yeah. late games last night, Ooh. you were up watching that late one. Uh, no sleep. That'll do it to you. Um, I, the thing that is curious to me though is we'll find out. I thought we would have found out if he didn't play against Arkansas State. Now we'll find out because if he plays against Ole Miss, then to me, it looks like their plan is to just play him and he loses a year of eligibility. I thought it would have been perfect to have him still be able to save a year of college football. Maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't care. Maybe he just wants to try to get to the NFL and he's trying to, you know, he'll maybe he'll transfer, maybe he won't. Like it's, yeah. I think it's it's crazy because I thought I had a beat on this situation. I clearly don't. Um Arizona. The state of Arizona has gone completely the opposite of what most people thought that it would. Sure. Kevin Sumlin, um Rich Rod, Rich Rodriguez was jettisoned, let's just say that, from Arizona after a little bit of a controversy that was going on there. He leaves the program. They're in a, like, 
bad situation. They're like, we got to find a qualified coach to come in here quick. I thought Kevin Sumlin inherited a really good program. Yeah. Rich Rod had had that program, had some pretty good recruits on the squad. You had Khalil Tate, Heisman Trophy candidate coming into the season. It could not have started off worse. They started 0-2 with losses to BYU and Houston, not even Pac-12 opponents. You're talking about non-Power 5 uh, opponents there, especially going to Houston, and it's not even been competitive. They got waxed by Houston. Could not have started off worse. The thing that frustrates me is what they're doing with Khalil Tate. It's almost like they're trying to make him into a pocket passer when the guy's one of the most electric runners with the football. Like a video game last year with yes. running the ball. Oh, it was insane. like they couldn't catch him. He was my pick for Heisman this year. I yeah. really thought that, you know, because Kevin Sumlin's had guys that that get out and, and run before, right? I mean, you had yeah. Johnny Mentor. You had guys that could get it electrifying in both the pass game and the run game and then the combination of the two was pretty cool. So yeah, this one I didn't see coming at all. It's it's uh it's I can't put a finger on why you would try to make him. He's not a pocket passing quarterback. Right. I and that I just I'm worried about Kevin Sumlin. I like him. I think he's a really good coach. Maybe it's just a really tough transition because the offense he wants to run is different schematically from what uh Rich Rod was wanting, but it's just at some point, you gotta be better than those teams, and defensively, how about a stop defensively? Maybe it's, maybe, yeah, I mean that, but the kid, remember the kid came out and he fought tooth and nail not to have a, a true run offense there, right? Like, yeah. he's the one that came out and, and talked and about not bringing in the, yeah, the guy Navy. from Navy and yeah. stuff, so maybe the kid doesn't wanna use his legs. You know, there's a lot of that, like guys wanna be viewed as quarterbacks, and rightfully so, cause there's a stigma attached at times about, you know, especially by quarterbacks that just run the ball, Um so maybe some of this is on him as well, wanting to prove that he's more of a pocket guy, but Kevin Sumlin, you gotta put your team in the best position to win games, bro. Yeah. You know who is putting their team in the best position? Herm Edwards. Off to a yeah. fantastic start. They had a signature win in only week two with a win over Michigan State, who is a good team. Like that, that was a shocker to me. So I'm really happy for Herm Edwards. He's a great dude. Like I know him from our business, like working with Does him. Does he have a director of player personnel? On his staff, yeah, they all, like all a lot of college. They have that now. Yeah, all right, like, all right, all right. They're they're trying to do they use like a pro title. model. Yeah, they use. Well, he when they hired Herm Edwards, they said they were going to go with more of a GM model. He was going to be a figurehead. Yeah. Then both coordinators leave after he was hired, so that plan was blown up. So everybody kind of was like, "Oh, this team's going to be a joke." Herm hasn't been in college football in 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's going to be a disaster. He's proven everybody wrong. He's one of the best dudes, hardest workers, great leader. So I'm happy for him and see if they see keep Herm. rolling. All right, we got to take a break. Let's get back. We're going to talk some NBA because there's mm-hmm. a lot of NBA news, injury news, uh, guys signing all over the place. And uh, Lonzo Ball is reworking his jump shot. I want to get a quick thought on that from you too. Uh, it's coming up next on Off the Bench. All right, we got a team in the NBA that has a new name. Have you heard about the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves? The Timberwolves. Yeah, they're trying because Tom Thibodeau is bringing the whole crew back together. Like he's reuniting the band. Uh, Luol Deng has agreed to a deal with the T Wolves. They already got Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler. Like they got, he's got a bunch of assistants on his staff that are going there. Is this a desirable culture that he's building in Minnesota? Uh, yeah. If it was 2010. I mean, if you had MVP level Derrick Rose and, and, you know, no, dude, this is, uh, I don't even know what to say to this. Tom, you don't get to recapture, like, the past in anything. I mean, it's the past, dude. Like, I spent a lot of my career or the latter part of my career trying to recreate or find a situation that was going to be like the Phoenix Suns teams I was on because I didn't realize until after I left the Suns how special that was. Um, and it seems to me that that's what Tom Thibodeau is trying to do with this team. Luol Dang, played one game last year uh and the year before that he played i don't know like 15 minutes a game in la um 
it was one of the worst deals. It was like an albatross around the Lakers' neck until they finally, I guess they agreed to stretch it. Um, I like Luol, but there's, there's not much left there in the tank that's going to help you win games. Um, as far as Taj Gibson, yeah, he's still a player. Um, Derek Rose is okay, although we've questioned whether or not Derek Rose really loves the game, but he looked decent, um, at times last year. I, I, I just can't imagine that if you're Jimmy Butler, if you're Carl Anthony Towns, to some degree, you're Andrew Wiggins, like you're looking at this and J- Jimmy may be conflicted because he's got a relationship with most of these guys and he's kind of been in that culture before. Um, you can't think that this is going to be what's going to help you get to a championship level going forward. The only thing that I can think is that Tom Thibodeau is trying to surround this young nucleus with guys who understand what Tom Thibodeau wants and they can kind of help um, get that message through to them in locker rooms and on planes and so on and so forth. Otherwise, there's no real value to any of this on the court, in my opinion. Are they better than they were last year as an eight seed? No. No. So they're looking at no, I mean roster. I mean, look, I'd have to sit down and do a do a deep dive into the West. But teams like the Lakers have gotten better. Denver's gotten better. Like there are a lot of teams out there that have gotten better. And you're just talking about purely telling me that they signed Luol Deng. No, they've right. not gotten any better. So I saw a video the Lakers actually put out of Lonzo Ball shooting, uh, and they're because t- there was a little glimpse of it a few weeks ago. There was a little video, and then they put yeah. a more extended video saying he's he's fixed his jump shot. I've always been a believer, and this was really like when you go back to Tim Tebow and his throwing motion. He's like, I'm going to remove the hitch. I think kind of what you are and what you grew up shooting the ball is really hard to change. Do you think Lonzo Ball can change his jump shot to where he can get it off quicker and it's a more smooth? you know, more effective jumper and a better jumper. Yeah. He hasn't been that uh successful with it. I do. You do? I do. I don't think that he can change it. So Lonzo Ball's shot is essentially coming from the left side of his And kind of low, right? Yeah, you're really low and yeah. from the left side of his body. And he's a right-handed shooter, which is really, you know, you, you just normally don't do that. Do I think that he'll ever wind up being like a, right, a exactly. form-perfect jump shooter? No. But do I think he can get that thing off quicker? I do. Do I think he can make more shots? I do. That becomes a repetition thing and a confidence thing. And all of those, I think that you, you can work on. But no, I don't ever think that he's going to clean up that motion to where it's a prototypical jump shot. I mean, there are guys that do some remarkable things with jump shots right now. Like, um, you know, I think the biggest, like Tony Parker was a very bad jump shooter or average jump shooter when he came into the league. Chip Englin, who they had in San Antonio, I don't know if he's still there, uh, did some great things with Tony to where he was like deadly mid-range. Kawhi Leonard came in and wasn't a great shooter either. And Kawhi Leonard, like sneakily, is a very, very good and proficient like three-point shooter and shooter in general. So they're guys that can do things with shots. But Lonzo's is so unique. unique. Yeah, I don't know that you're. So I think the that. best coaches I've ever dealt, like swing coaches, throwing motion coaches, shooting coaches, are the ones that work with what you already do. Sure. Because like, it's your natural. That's probably what you – because whether it was the ball was too big and he had to do that, that's your natural tendency. So try to – tweak it a little bit but you can't completely change what you yeah. do it'll just because you always revert back to some sort of what you did all the uh when you were you know younger um a player who's gonna have to deal possibly with a uh, shooting issue is devin booker has a, a hand surgery late in the off season he's probably going to be out six weeks which would put him at missing maybe a potentially uh a, a regular season or two is devin booker with the suns one of their best young players were you surprised at the timing of this uh yeah i'm always surprised when guys wait this long to have a surgery um, and it, you know, the only thing that I could figure out with a situation like this is I had a I had a wrist injury. I tore my scaphalunate ligament in um, in preseason, and it was one of those injuries. I don't know exactly what Devin's was, where it was my choice. Like I could try to play the season out without the surgery, 
or I could have the surgery and it wasn't going to make it any worse. But then after, I don't know, two, three weeks, it became obvious to me that like I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do. And so then I elected to have the surgery. So could be I don't one have of those a problem. Things. Like that's why I, that's, that's my assumption right. is that he tried to do it with, you know, rehab and, you know, just trying to, you know, do some physical therapy on it and it wasn't going the way they thought. So then you do it. I'm okay with that. Sure. Like if you, so he misses a regular game, you know, a regular season game or two, it's not that big a deal. And I think always if you can avoid surgery, that's the better option. So you try it. And then if you have to do the surgery, then you do that as the worst case scenario. And those, that's completely acceptable. I did play on a team though. I won't name the team. Where like we had some success, we may may have may or not gotten to the finals. Um, and guys like for one reason or another elected not to have their surgeries that they knew they needed. Right. Um, and then they waited and they waited. And we wound up having a really bad following year. Um, not because of the surgeries necessarily, but it didn't help, right? Because we missed all preseason, we missed a lot of regular season games, and so like if you know you need the surgery, get it. Right. Was that Philly? I don't know. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get to Hannah for some socially relevant. There's one on here that I cannot wait to get to. Whoa. Whoa. Be- caught us by surprise right there. I like that. All right, <laughs> Hannah, I- did you make that up? Oh, yeah. No, I just you made that two that? seconds ago. I threw it up there. That's why I'm out of breath right now. <laughs> all right. We're starting off in high school. I love this story. But only because you guys have to remember this guy's name, Darian Carmichael. He's the offensive line coach at Jonesboro High School in Georgia. This guy is about to be your favorite coach. So to honor his players for their biggest blocks on the field, he delivers actual shots of maple syrup right on the sideline. Check this out. There he is. He looks like the kind of guy who's going to do that. So what do you guys think? Syrup and pancakes instead of Gatorade? Oh, syrup and pancakes over the stupid backpack or over the stupid (laughs) robe that they're wearing at Memphis or over anything else. I would take this as a reward for all these dudes. Hey. Fantastic. And there probably is some nutritional value. You know what? There's no retreat. There's high fructose corn syrup in there. You know what? You know what? It's a reward for like getting a, a, a turnover or a pancake block or something like that. A high five, chest bump, like a gap, <laughs> oh, a like pat on the syrup. butt, like anything, that. bro. This like stuff has syrup. to go away. No. Guys are going to be dunking basketballs and making threes. You're going to pull them over to the sideline and like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Jello shots. Yeah. <laughs> Jello shots I'd be on board with. I don't know if I could do that maple syrup thing. I'd be like slowing down. All right, guys, staying with high school, but this time switching to beast mode. So if you guys had to guess what Marshawn Lynch looked like in high school, I'm sure you'd be just a little bit off. So during the Monday Night Football telecast last night, ESPN put up this throwback of Lynch. You guys remember when Steve Urkel magically became Stefan? Okay, well, this is just plain Urkel. Wow. (laughs) That is unreal. Like, I just, I cannot picture him. With this look, it's like he's a studious, like, like science major, like that belongs at Stanford. You know, I saw that picture and I really, I did not believe that that was Marshawn Lynch. Like, I really thought it was either. another guy. I thought it was a joke. Yeah, I thought it was a joke. Oh That's my god. That's unreal. Hey. Now, where did he, he wound up going to Cal? Yeah. So he's studious. Like, you gotta be semi-studious to get into Cal, right? Like, that's yeah, Berkeley. Yeah, the fit Cal more so. Do they? Studious, <laughs> you know? I don't, that's a crazy look. It's crazy how people change. All right, lastly, guys. After bringing a smoothie to his post-game presser on Saturday, Mike Gundy showed up to his media luncheon on Monday sporting a referee shirt. But this was apparently a reminder for Oklahoma State fans to stripe the stadium on Saturday against Boise State. The funny part about this is that he actually showed up wearing a sweater, but then he claimed that he spilt some smoothie on it, so he stripped it off, and then underneath was this ref shirt. So, guys, I just have to ask, is he college football's most entertaining coach or what? (laughs) I spilled my dang smoothie. Look at that. That's bad. 
Gosh. Uh, no, no, I didn't. There wasn't any vodka. I, uh, that's from this morning. Spill that sucker. <laughs> it striped the stadium, and I've always supported the officials and referees. They're all good friends of mine, so we're Not killing there. two birds with one stone. I'm glad I spilled that smoothie on my shirt, my sweatshirt. I almost forgot about Stride Stadium. But I'm, I apologize for Kenzie. She's, she's at the beauty shop, so she has to go every two weeks. That is fantastic. I love our guy. I can't get enough Gundy. Although his hair, you talk Bro. about the mullet. It's like straight out of the Dukes of Hazard from 1978. <laughs> like it's just, it's such an old classic just look. A, just a good old boy. But I like, he's bringing Never personality. No like he had the smoothie joke the other day, and then he puts it on there like he's trying to get his, his school behind him, do this stripe out. I don't even know what that is. You're now doing too much. <laughs> you're now, you're now, you're just doing a little too much. Now you're getting. Hannah, is he doing huge. too much or is he fun? He's doing too much, but oh, I think it's fun for the media that has to be there, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's like our dream. Yeah, right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they weren't even laughing at that, bro. Everyone was awkwardly silent. They were sitting there like, Mleh. I'll take that any day over the, we gotta run the football, we gotta <laughs> no turnovers. I'll take that any day over that. Absolutely. Well, that's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canal and Bell. Coming up after the break, Danny and Raja run through some of today's leftovers, including the BMW Championship. All this and more coming up next. You're watching Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. Finish up with some uh some leftovers. Uh, I love when there's extra golf, yeah. bonus golf, whether it's a leftovers f- golf. Yeah, leftovers yeah, golf. Yeah, That's yeah, fantastic because yeah. you had in the BMW Championship, they had some weather issues up at Aronimink, uh, so they had to play on Monday, which was fantastic because we got to see it. Tiger, I thought was going to make a run because he, you know, he starts seeing. I love it because this is like the Tiger that we had of old. Yeah. Now we have social media, so all of a sudden you see everybody's like, "Hey, Tiger's on the move." So we're like, "Oh, I better get to a TV." Started watching it. Was pretty impressive. First round comes out, lights out. Sunday round, Monday round, if you want to call it. The last round comes out, has another impressive day. Just couldn't get it together. The middle rounds were really his downfall on this one. That's been the hardest thing for me to figure out with Tiger is he's all over the map. Um, and you just can't figure out what he has to fix. There's no doubt for me he's going to be back in the mix. But Keegan Bradley has been a guy who's kind of – he was a premier player, wins the PGA. He's like this up-and-comer. Then he kind of – Struggle somewhat. Really was cool to see him get back in the winner's circle after the, uh, the match on this one. Yeah, Keegan looked good. Hadn't won since what, 2012 was it? Or something yeah. like that. Um, Justin Rose has been playing great lately. Rory's been playing really well also. I think Tiger, I've said this from the jump. Like, I did not care whether Tiger won all the way through this. Like, I wanted him to be viable, which he's been, right? He's been in the hunt. He's been top tens. Um, I think it's all leading up. To like Eastlake, I just do. I feel like oh, you're I predicting the win. I, in the I, I, I don't, but like think about his story. Like the dude has done just everything that there could ever be uh, done in golf, and like this would be such a storyline if he goes to Eastlake, like gets in at like number twenty five and figures out a way to win the FedEx Cup in his first season back. No one would have ever, no hey, one would have thought that. I was all in with Tiger. The Masters are like he's gonna win. <laughs> all right, so we're tempering the. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you out. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm not saying, saying what all this season is built up for is an incredible 2019. Okay. I think he is in the perfect spot. He's got his confidence back. Now he can rest a little bit, get his body back, sure. even work on his back even more. Because yesterday we're playing in the cold up in Boston. In between, you see him stretching. He's working yeah. on his back. Like I think it's still 
in the back of his mind, like, hey, can I really cut this loose? He has to, and he, I think he always will when you've mm-hmm. had that many surgeries, but I just feel like he could really use an off season and a confident one where he's thinking about all the good things that happen. I'm really, I'm really good with that too. I just feel like there's something in me when you talk about like the legacy of Tiger and like, I just feel like it would be one of those stories where when you sit back and you're telling your kids about this golfer that you used to watch, like that's one of those type of things that could potentially happen. Yeah. Um, the, the driving stats, I think are one that he obviously has something to work on 108th and driving since he's been back. That's been he's one been, of the, he's like, been striping it lately though. Like, yeah, he still he has, was, but he's still like when he needs it, can he get it like when yeah. he has to? Like if there's a, you know, coming down the stretch, Butter also was a little bit off, but I think you see there where I, it's only a matter of time before he's going to win. And then it's the biggest question is he going to get a major? Yeah. And those are different because then you start mentally, you get there, but once he gets the win, I think it's this huge weight off his shoulders where he can sure. relax and he'll play better. Jordan Spieth. Not such a great year, uh, zero wins, struggled again, does not make the tour championship. I think you look at it and I think it's kind of the way golf goes. I think, you know, the, the, and I think Tiger set the bar so high. We expect guys to just, once we see greatness, they're supposed to sustain it forever. I think you're just seeing a younger golfer who had kind of a rough year. And by, when I say rough, like he still was a really good golfer, you know, and finished, you know, in the top 30 in the money on money list. Like he's still going to be okay. Yeah. He just hit the scene so hot that you just expected that all the time. I'm, I'm, I give Jordan a pass. I talked about it before. We talked about it before. I, I would have liked to have seen him in it, but I'm not really concerned about whether he's going to be a really good golfer going forward. We both thought Tony Finau should have been the, the last pick for the Ryder Cup. He was, which was really cool to see. Um, can't wait for that event coming up in France. Uh, there is a bit of drama unfolding on the tour. Uh-huh. Koka, our producer, did not want us to discuss this, but I think it's out there. Dustin Johnson potentially dealing with some personal issues Uh-oh. with Paulina Gretzky. She's deleted all of his oh, pictures from DJ. Instagram. So what does it mean? Trouble. Like, I think it could. That's there's trouble. drama, which it does impact certain people's performances. His, I don't know, because it doesn't seem like anything gets to him. All of the like, pictures? All of them. Ghosted. Like, like scru- gone. Scrubbed like it. Like he never existed. Yeah, he did trouble. not exist. That could be trouble. Uh, DJ. There's like the they, timing on that is terrible, son. If they had a real Housewives of the PGA Tour, I think it'd be really entertaining. Yeah, that that would be interesting. <laughs> like that's one of my favorite parts of the Ryder Cup, though. Like, cause I don't, you know, like I like to see like who's with who. I you never get to see their wives and stuff like that. So I love to see all of like the the families and the wives at the Ryder Cup events. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I want to see who's working with what. Like, <laughs> right. see who's riding around. Like, I, don't I know. You always want to check that out. Andrew Bynum is considering a comeback. Ain't nobody worry about Andrew Bynum, bro. Why, why not? Nobody worry about Andrew. Twenty fourteen, he hasn't played before. He's only like thirty years old. <laughs> yeah, he's young. He's a baby. He's only 31. That's crazy. He's gonna turn 31. He's not even there yet. He should do it. Why not? Uh, it's a big boy, super talented, um, and, and kinda got a mean, nasty streak. Yeah, why not? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what, he kinda bugged out towards the end of his career. Like, he started having, like, issues, like, he, I think he went to Philly, and then kinda went AWOL. I don't wanna speak out of turn, but I think he started having some, People started questioning whether he really wanted to do this anymore or not. So I, you always gotta be leery of. I say do it. I have an idea. Tom Brady said he wants to play until he's 45. I'm almost that age. I think it's make a comeback. Reality TV show, off the bench, real world style. Should I drop it like that right before yeah. we go to Let's right do it. Yeah, big announcement real comes world. up later. The comeback's 